Welcome to another episode of How to Read the Bible. I'm your host, Nate Claiborne, and I have the pleasure today of talking with Dr. Mike Allen. How are we doing, Mike? I'm doing great, Nate. Good to be with you. It seems as if we, we were talking about this off air that every time we've done a podcast since we've started this format, there has somehow been NBA playoffs or serious regular season going. And so uh, we're right in the thick of the first rounds. Uh, you're, you're, are you a big Heat fan? I know you liked the Showtime Lakers, but you're... Well, I've adopted the magic. Okay. And that's, that's of course, beside the point at this phase of things. But, yeah, because uh, we're talking about the playoffs. and so that Yeah, doesn't... we're talking about the playoffs. And so then I root for the Heat. And of course, they've just lost. So it's it's pretty sad. I'm just looking for good games. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm a uh, basketball, is it nomad the right word? Tennessee didn't have a team growing up, and I never really felt attracted to the Hawks. So now they have the Grizzlies, but that's all the way on the other side of the States. And they used right. to be in Vancouver, so I don't feel any affinity to them. Um, but as much as we could, as we've always say, talk about basketball the whole time, we're here today instead to talk about uh, the book of Ephesians, and more particularly, some resources that we could use for further study. We're just finishing up Ephesians in our community Bible reading, um, and so I wanted to ask you, what are some resources people could look into? Let's say they, they were had a lot of questions coming out of that book. There's a lot of rich themes in there. Um, what's, their, what's their go-to for maybe the average person, maybe the ad- more advanced learner? Sure. Yeah, so some general rules that we keep mentioning again and again in different podcasts hold. I mean, rule number one is when reading one text, always start by looking at those cross-references in your Bible and just helping other verses clarify for you some of the more challenging verses you're reading through. So the, the, the first order of business is always use the Bible to help clarify the Bible. But of course, even beyond that, we need other resources too because we're <laughs> we're slow and confused, and God's word is at points clear, but at others it's challenging. Um, so there's good resources out there on Ephesians. Uh, there's there's a number of good introductions to the New Testament. Uh, you know, one edited by a number of my uh, written by a number of my colleagues, edited by another colleague, Michael Kruger. That's got a good chapter on Ephesians uh, and a biblical theological introduction to the New Testament. There's a new New Testament introduction by Greg Beale and Ben Glad called The Story Retold. And that's got helpful discussion as well. Uh, I would especially mention also one resource you can find for free online and in a number of formats through Amazon and other booksellers. And that's John Calvin's short commentary on Ephesians. Uh, Calvin may sound intimidating because he's from long ago and, and, you know, remarkably smart. Uh, His commentary writings are simple. They are brief and they are known for getting right to the point. And uh, having read Uh, Many, maybe even most of his commentaries, I can say what he wrote on Ephesians is among the most helpful and the most moving. And you can actually find it for free on the website of the Christian Classics Ethereal Library, CCEL, a great website with lots of classic Christian literature on it available for free. Yeah, it's worth bookmarking if you hadn't already done so. Yeah, and it may be painful to read through a whole book at a time in that format, but it's really good for 
looking up what he says about a paragraph and mm. uh, reading on this verse or a handful of verses at a time and being able to find what others wrote, Augustine, John Chrysostom, and so forth. Uh, it's it's really a, just a treasure store of all sorts of great uh, devotional and academic writing. Yeah. Well, maybe a couple of things you said there maybe illustrate the, at least two different ways you could go about using commentaries. Of One is it's it's just there if you need it as you're doing your reading and you're really struck by maybe you're in Ephesians 2 and you're having questions about what's this dividing wall of hostility? What What's all this? What's, what's going on here? Um, everyone's a f- familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but then that whole section mm-hmm. after, there's a lot of stuff to unpack. So then you grab the commentary, you turn to that section, whether it's Calvin online for free or one of the, one of the resources you just mentioned, or even just some other commentary. Um, and then when you say the other, the other approach is to actually read them as if they're books. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say I very much enjoy and regularly do that. Most people can find that to be uh, less than exciting. <laughs> yeah, I think. To, be, to be fair. Yeah, to be honest. Um, but uh, I would commend it as something worth trying at some point. And uh, I wouldn't say every commentary obviously repays uh, what you get back in equal measure. But there are lots of really great resources out there. And one of the things we learn, and this shouldn't surprise us, is Christians who believe in our our creaturely limits and worse than that, our sin. Uh, often it's not just that we don't know the answer to a question we know. It's that we have dumb or wrong questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't yes. realize what we don't know. I find again and again, that's my biggest challenge. And uh, commentators can be similarly limited, of course, uh, but they also might help reorient us so that I'm not just going to them to, to answer the one or two questions I know I don't understand, but they're helping alert me to things that, that maybe I don't even realize ought to, to really challenge me. Yeah. It's, it, we, we sometimes want to say there are no dumb questions or stupid questions, but uh, in all honesty, there are uh, when it comes to a field that maybe you're not as familiar with, or when it comes to dealing with gaps of culture, like we're dealing with in the Bible, like even the New Testament that feels culturally closer, we're still talking about 2000 years of difference. And so things that the way Paul understands certain concepts and ideas might not be the exact same way a 21st century Westerner would, but because the language is clear, you assume you know exactly what he means. Yeah. And we're all so self-fascinated. We just assume that what seems immediately telling or immediately uh, sort of frustrating is of greatest concern. And oftentimes we're not moved by, we're not jolted by what's actually most interesting. And uh, part of being a good Bible reader is God orienting us and reshaping us to understand what's of, of highest priority, what's of lesser priority. Yeah. Yeah. So, we kind of let's pivot here real quick because um, we're doing a shorter one than we normally do. You are not only a commentary reader, you are a commentary writer. So you kind of know how the sausage is made, so to speak. Um, and part of why I thought it would be good to chat with you is you recently published a commentary on Ephesians. I remember during your sabbatical, you were working on it. I remember kind of the, pro- I didn't watch the process, obviously, but I remember talking about it while it was. That would have been creepy if It would have been creepy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I remember when it was, was it a Word document? 
Yeah. Back in the, yeah. So once upon a time, it was a Word document. Now it's a published book in the Brazos Theological Commentary series. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about what's distinctive about either that series or your particular volume or both, really. Yeah. Um, so one of the odd things about, you might say, academic or scholarly commentaries in the modern era is that uh, like a lot of different academic fields, uh, biblical scholarship and theological research in the modern era uh, sometimes decided that they needed to, to pursue their study in a way like unto the hard sciences, where you're trying to explore in a neutral, objective manner you're trying to sort of in, in similar fashion, inductively work in a, a sort of experimental fashion that anyone else could do and replicate. And uh, obviously the kind of scientific method that works in you know, biology uh, or in physics can render all sorts of gains. And there are some ways in which that's beneficial to studying God. But uh, this has been in lots of ways problematic too for, for modern study of the Bible. It's involved people in somehow thinking that the resources of the spiritual life, the resources of the Christian tradition or of church history, that those are a hindrance instead of a help to reading and hearing God's word well. And while there have been lots of gains in modern study of the Bible through archaeological exploration, through linguistic kind of analysis that's gone above and beyond what was available uh, hundreds of years ago, There have also been real losses, uh, in particular to reading scripture as scripture, Mm. not just as ancient religious literature. And this series, the the Brazos Theological Commentary series, is one that's pretty overtly trying to read, in this case, Ephesians, as Christian scripture, as a word that was addressed to particular Christians and congregations in the first century by a specific man named Paul, but also as a word that is uh, sent by Jesus Christ through his apostle and to be received not just by that immediate audience, but by Christians throughout the centuries and around the globe. And therefore, when I receive it or, or New City receives it in the 21st century, we do so in faith We do so attentive uh, and fearful before God. Uh, We do so expectant, knowing that Christ wants to teach us and form us. We do so prayerfully. Uh, And we do so with the benefit of those who've studied and listened before us, whether that's, you know, Athanasius of Alexandria or Martin Luther, uh, whatever figure and in whatever place or time uh, the communion of saints is receive this. And so one of the marks of the book is really trying to hear it as a word from Jesus to his people today, but also a word that we hear today as we listen to how others have received that word too in the church. Very nice. Yeah. So um, as we're using this, you you would recommend we could use your work either way. It can either be, is it more designed to be read through as like a book, like we were talking about a minute ago, is it more designed for, it's a resource on the side, they can check paragraphs here and there, or it can do both. It's, 
you could do both. It's it's certainly written uh, in the form of and with the main intention of somebody being able to read straight through it. Okay. It's got the benefit of not being, you know, the Psalms or Isaiah. Uh, Ephesians is a short letter and this commentary. There, there are large commentaries on Ephesians and people who know far, far more than I. Uh, but this is this is not an onerously long commentary. Uh, and so it it obviously is longer than the epistle to the Ephesians, but it's it's not terribly onerous or lengthy. It's it's meant to be something you could you could read Ephesians, read the section from the commentary and then go back and read Ephesians in light of it. Mm, that'd be an interesting approach. So it could could go either way. As we're having just finished community Bible reading, it could be a great resource to pick up, read through, um, or like you say, for personal study going back and forth. Uh, what's what's one thing you would want people to take away from? I mean, as you're writing a commentary, obviously you want to help people understand Scripture, and in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, would you say maybe it's similar to? My experience, I, I, I play on Sunday mornings a lot and we talk from time to time. It's, I, I don't necessarily want you to not notice me playing, but I also don't want you to fixate on me playing right. worship music. Is, it, is commentary writing kind of like that? Like you want the, the attention goes to the text, but you're, you want to do a good job so that you don't stand out in certain ways. Right. Yeah, it is an interesting genre in just that way where it, it is – it's not mood setting, but it is attention setting. And so a good commentary is going to help you pay attention to what you ought to pay attention to. It's going to narrow and widen your attentive span in various ways. And, uh, you know, there, there are certain things that I would hope that folks would catch from this commentary, either relative to how they would have been just reading the, the letter on its on their own or how they'd be reading it if they were listening to other commentators out there. I mean, there are uh, lots of places where there's just overlap, but there are areas where there's, there's a distinctive voice. I mean, one example I'll highlight in both cases, I think it's easy for us when we read the New Testament to simply take prayers and benedictions as being like the garnish on a plate at a restaurant. And they're ornamental, they sort of make it look good, but they're they're really beside the point. You can get your nutrition by pushing it to the edge of the plate and not dealing with it. And uh, I actually think in general and in Ephesians in particular, that's very much not the case. And actually you can't understand the main uh, intentions of this letter, unless you pay attention, especially to the prayers that Paul voices in chapter one and chapter three, and the benediction offered at the end of chapter three is crucial to understanding the the structure of the letter. And so, I hope that uh, people won't have caught fancy language from me that you know, terminology or vocabulary that sticks in their head. But I do hope they will have caught attentiveness to certain spots in the text that I think they'd otherwise quickly jump past. I feel like that's a great summary. So I appreciate you clarifying that for us and your role in shedding light on Ephesians, helping us to um, see what Paul's up to. The prayers, I remember in some of my earliest studies with Ephesians, how striking Paul's prayers are. 
Uh, he packs a lot in there. So we, we won't say anything about it right now because that's going to force people listening to go back and be like, I don't remember that. And then go see that section at the end of chapter three and uh, even the opening benediction in chapter one, that single sentence that runs from verse three to verse 14. Yeah. He just can't help himself. Well, yeah, Mike, there's so many spots. That's, that's a great example right off the bat. Yeah. Well, Mike, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I appreciate you being with me today. Tell me a little bit about Ephesians, and I will look forward to whenever we connect again next time. Sounds great. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye.